really, it, it's exciting to be in an environment, in an atmosphere where everybody in the room is hungry for the presence of God. And so this morning, we're just going to continue to walk in that. Um, I, I am going to get to part of my message, but I want to kind of bypass some of it and kind of weave in and out of it to a direct portion that I believe the Lord is leading me to speak this morning. Uh, we're going to continue uh, the series that Pastor Sean has been leading us through, which is 1 Corinthians and uh, we are on chapter 10 today. And like I said, I'm not going to get to all of my message. So I want to encourage you, read through chapter 10 this evening. Read through chapter 10 this week and, uh, and let it get in you because I really feel like uh, Paul's writing in this chapter is something that we need to build our lives around. And, and really, that's what the whole book is, is what obviously the word is and what Pastor Sean has been explaining to us through this, um, this series. But I, I'm excited to lean into a specific portion. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to jump into um, verses 12 and 13. And that's where we're going to land today. Um, and as, as you're turning there, just a couple of things I want to make sure that everybody has on their radar. Uh, if, if it's your first time with us or, or you're new here to Cornerstone or you've been around just for a couple of weeks, I want to encourage you on the 21st, uh, of this month, so in just uh, a week, is that a week? Yeah, just a week from now, we're going to be having our uh, Welcome to Cornerstone lunch, and so it's just going to be right over in our youth center. Uh, you can show up right after service. Uh, you can register online if you've got a, a big crew with you, but if it's just a couple of you, just, just show up, just come hang out, come have lunch on us, and get to meet our staff and our elders, get to, to uh, put some uh, names to the faces. You know, we're all kind of coming in and out, and so it's easy to get lost in the crowd sometimes, and and uh, it's a great place to just to hear about uh, the, the Lord's vision for this house and where we're going together and also to, to make some connections with some, some folks that would love to meet you. And so if, if you're new, uh, you've been here the last few weeks, the last couple months, and you haven't been to a lunch yet, we would love to hang out with you next Sunday at our lunch, okay? And then uh, secondly, you've been hearing in the announcements for several weeks now, we are going in September to start a new series entitled Crazy Faith. And uh, really, this is the life of the believer. This is what God is calling us to live, a life of crazy faith where we just radically trust him and we allow him to guide our steps and we just step into whatever he calls us to do next. And so we're going to be stirring up that crazy faith, but we're going to be launching a uh, connect groups with this series, and we would love for you to host a connect group. You don't have to go through any previous training or, or anything like that. It's just a five-week series, so there's just five weeks where you're committing to get, gather some friends, some family, co-workers, people in your community, neighbors, invite them to your house. It's a video-driven uh, curriculum, and so you'll be able to play that video and then discuss those things. And really what we're going to see is God transform your neighborhood. We're going to see God transform your workplace and your family through this series. And so uh, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're in a seat, you can scan the QR code right there in the, the seat in front of you and uh, sign up to be a, uh, a group host. Or on any of the exits, there's QR codes that you can scan as well on your way out today. Or if you're watching online or you want to do it later, you can just go to cornerstonelife.org, hit the events tab, and you'll see crazy faith right there, okay? So uh, sign up. We would love for you to be uh, a group host. It's going to be an awesome, awesome series, okay? All right, let's jump into this conversation in 1 Corinthians today, and let's read these two verses, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. It says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. 
The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be in your house this morning, and we're so so overwhelmed by all that you've already done in this place. And so, Father, we just ask that you continue to minister this morning. And God, we say that we're open to receive your word. We're open to receive what you have for us today. So God, I pray that you would help us just to eliminate distraction, that we would move out thoughts of the rest of the day or the week or what happened on the way here. God, that we would just allow you to speak in this moment. And we thank you, God, that the preseason is just going to be a glimpse of what you're going to do in the Kansas City Chiefs this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have the microphone. I can pray whatever I want to pray. Don't look at me like that. So, Pastor Sean has been taking us through this series in 1 Corinthians, and there, there has been in this ongoing marching theme of Paul explaining to the church in Corinth what we can do and what we cannot do, okay? And so just to quickly summarize the whole first section of my message, we do not set the standard, We do not get to decide what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is clean, what is unclean, what is just, what is unjust. We don't get to have a say in it. Now, for all of my fellow control freaks out there, that's bad news because I like to tell people what to do and I like for people to do it the way that I want them to do it. Can I get an amen? But that is not God's plan. Jesus is the standard. And so Paul is telling the church in Corinth, stop bickering, stop fighting, stop trying to prove one another wrong or right or creating factions amongst yourselves, one that believes one way and one that believes the other way. No, 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 it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And he opens chapter 10 by listing out a set of circumstances that we see the Israelites walking out under the leadership of Moses. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the Israelites' journey out of Egypt into the Promised Land, you know that things didn't go as planned. That they found themselves walking in circles. And really... The, the word that Paul uses to label this cycle is idol worship. And that's a real Christianese terminology because we don't really talk about idols in the American culture or lifestyle. We don't really see a lot of pagan statues set up all over the place. While there may be some new idols forming on social media and on the internet and within our culture, and there there may be some political parties that have become idols, and there may be some faith being put into housing markets that are becoming idols, and there might be some, some belief systems that are working up within our culture that are becoming idols. We don't really use the terminology idols anymore. What Paul is saying is anything that you are forming for yourself as a God 
as a leadership, as a place that you look to for provision, protection, or leadership outside of your relationship with the Father is an idol. And so he walks through this cycle that we see in the Israelites because they they go through this crazy repetition of, of, God, you've saved us. You're the provider. You're the rescuer. You're the deliverer. And then we don't like what you're telling us to do through Moses, so we're going to do it a different way. And then they crash and burn. And out of the rubble, they pick back up and go, oh, that, that was a bad idea. God, please tell Moses what we should do again. And then they do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again. And the Bible walks us through this course of 40 years of them walking through this cycle of idol worship, of idolatry, of them going over and over and over, of trying to do it their way. Their way. And I believe that Paul talks about idol worship and the cycle that the Israelites find themselves in in the first portions of the chapter. And at the closing of the chapter, he comes back to idol worship and talks about, again, it's not up to us to set the standard. Don't get mixed up. Don't, don't, don't get lost in that. But he sandwiches in between these two sections, these two verses that we read in 12 and 13. And I believe in verses 12 and 13, Paul is giving to us God's cycle breaker. Now, a lot of times we hear this, this, uh, these, these couple of verses, and a lot of times they're used out of context. Because we think if the Bible says that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our own ability to stand temptation, then life as a follower of Jesus will be easy. That, that life as a follower of Jesus just means that we don't face temptation or struggle any longer. But he starts this section, these verses in chapter 10, by saying, if you think you're standing strong, be careful. Stand to, to, to be established if you do a little bit of a, a word study on, on that word in the original Greek language that it was written in, one of the, the meanings for it can be ready for judgment. So in other words, Paul is saying, if you think you're ready to be judged, if you think you can stand strong on your own two feet, watch out. Watch out. You might want to think again. You, you might want to reconsider where you're at in life. And you might want to reevaluate what's happening because you're close to falling. We see these two words. They stick out strong. Stand and fall. Now, this word fall, it, it's related to demotion or to be found in ruin. Another phrase that I found really interesting out of the Greek, was to fall to one, the number one. So to go from two or more to fall to one. 
So, so in other words, when I begin to believe that I can stand on my own two feet, when I can allow my own desires and my own way of thinking and my own preferences and my own ability to be what I am standing on, I will not only find myself on my knees, but separated outside of the communion that God has planned for me on my own. I'll fall to one. This, this is how Paul starts this verse that we often just repeat as a mantra that, that I don't know, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm not going to fall into temptation. I'm not going to be tempted. I'm not going to lose it because I've been doing this thing for a while or I, I've kicked that habit or I, I've got it all figured out. When we think we're able to stand in and of ourselves, we fall. And these, these idols that we build up, they, they may not look like we said, like a pagan statue. It could be something real practical, like our, our calendar. It could be something real simple, like putting too much faith in our career path. It could be something real practical, like our phone. And a fall doesn't have to be as crazy and messy as what we begin to imagine. You know, in America, we're kind of seeing this, this recurring process of spiritual leaders falling. And I think a lot of times when we hear the word fall and when we read verse 12, we think a fall like that, a public display of of our sins and, and our transgressions and our, our issues and junk just being exposed to the world. And that may be a fall that we encounter somewhere along our journey. But sometimes falls are a little cleaner than that. You know, a fall could be as simple as quitting a season too early. A fall could be something as Quiet and still and secret as cursing the Lord in your heart when a season gets hard. A fall could be as simple as allowing division in your marriage. A fall could be something as simple as you just speaking out in anger and allowing your mouth to run words that you were not given permission to let it run. Man, these idols and these falls that we experience, they don't have to be these catastrophic moments, but what Paul is trying to warn us of is, is when we begin to allow ourselves to think we can do this thing on our own, we are setting ourselves up for disaster. A disaster for you can look a lot different than disaster for me. Disaster for you can look a lot different than the celebrity pastor that you've seen on the internet. It can look a lot different than the person that you saw in your family walk away from the Lord. It can be different, but it doesn't mean it's any less detrimental. Just be careful. So he gives us this warning. If you think you're standing strong, be careful you don't fall. But then he, he goes into this statement. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. 
In other words, your junk looks a lot like my junk. And your mess looks a lot like their mess. And just because they may not go to church here, just because they may not be uh, a denomination that we completely track with, or just because they uh, might go to another church down the street or another city or another place or have another style of worship or another style of preaching or, or whatever, it does not mean that we have anything up on them or that they have anything better than what we got going on in here. In other words, we are all in this together. And the greatest protection that I can find against temptation, against sin, against idols, is that I would include myself in the we of the church. In the you and I coming together. In the community of understanding, I don't have this whole thing figured out. I'm still trying to walk out my submission to Jesus on a daily basis. I'm still trying to let him get deeper in me and let more of me out. And I'm struggling. I'm in pain. I am suffering. I'm afraid. I'm in fear. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm dealing with unforgiveness. I have lust issues. I have, I have uh, uh, this, this fear and anxiety around my finances. My marriage is in tension. My kids are all over the place. Like we are all struggling in some way shape or form no one has graduated from the journey of faith and so if we can be honest and transparent with one another to say this is tough this is hard then my brother and my sister that are standing next to me that are sitting next to me that are worshiping next to me they can say hey hey, I've been there I've been there and I may not be able to fix the situation for you, but I can lock arms with you. I can hold you up while you're weak. I can pray for you and encourage you. I can remind you of who the Lord is. I can remind you that he has created you. I can remind you that he's purposed you. I can remind you that he's spoken identity and life into you before you were born into this world. And so I'm not going to leave you on the island by yourself to drown and waste away in your own sin and idolatry, but I'm going to show you what the Lord showed me through this community. That's why these connect groups are so important that we're going to be launching in September is because it creates an environment where this community of the church just naturally happens, right in living rooms, right in front of the TV screen, right in the middle of a, a, commu- of a conversation about what happened today at work. Not waiting until next Sunday so I can come forward to the prayer team. The prayer team is great. We love you guys. You're amazing. Miss Wendy, Mr. Joseph, thank you guys for leading the team. It's awesome. And so many people receive what the Lord wanted to speak to them here, but he was willing to speak to it on Monday, last Monday. He was willing to speak to it on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday night before you came to church. And then that way when we show up together, we're showing up just ready to praise the name of Jesus. This place is not a place for perfect people. It's a place for broken people to worship the perfect person. 
He says, when you think you're standing strong, remember, we're all struggling. And you might be doing okay right now, but don't let your okay turn you into a mess. Stay in the house. Stay with his people. We're in this together. He goes on and says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. In other words, we must have dependency. We must have dependency on the spirit of Christ that lives on the inside of us. When you give your life to Jesus and you say, not only are you my savior, but you are also my Lord. He fills you with his spirit. And what he did that for was not to give us goosebumps, to not give us a a little uh, pat on the butt and say, good job, buddy, but for him to come in and convict us and to lead us into holiness. What conviction means? It's just simply a notification. You know those little dots you get on the apps on your phone? Conviction is just a little dot saying, hey, 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 this right here. It's not my perfect plan and will for your life. This right here, it's not what I had planned for you. And we get conviction not because God wants to keep us from something that is good, that we desire, that we want, but because he has something better for us. He will allow us to go through a season of waiting and of trying and of testing and of pressure, not because he wants to keep us away from the blessing, but because he wants us to be prepared for a greater one. He wants us to be prepared to be a vessel of his presence, and we cannot do it without sanctification. We cannot do it without the holiness of of his spirit guiding us. We must be wholly dependent upon him. We think the verse is a cop-out that we'll never be tempted to the point that we fall to sin. We think the verse is a cop-out that we'll never be tempted to the point of setting up idols in our lives. But the verse is just indicating to us that we need dependency upon the spirit of Jesus And it's through that dependency that we will find the escape that we're looking for. Because if we're truly being spirit-led, we won't find ourselves in panic mode. Where's the eject button? I don't know where's it at. How do I close? Where's the escape? Control, all, delete. Like, we won't find ourselves there. Because we'll be steadfast in our faith will be close enough to the heart of the Father that we hear the beat. Jared, will you come play? I heard um, a pastor talk about this section of Scripture once. And the description that he gave was 
It's pretty complex, and I don't have the time to, to go into it, and I'm still working it out in my own mind. But he said, we often think of this term in verse 13, that the Lord won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able as he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can hold back from, right? From what we're able to distance ourselves, from what we're able to withstand and, and, and stand against and, and, and not allow the temptation to lead us to sin or to, to falling or into worshiping of idols or setting up these idols in our lives. But this pastor, he goes on to describe and say, what if what the Lord is speaking to us is not that the temptation will not come, but we won't find ourselves in another season of testing until we have allowed the Lord to lead us through into victory to overcome what we're currently facing. To make it a little bit more practical, have you found yourself in a place, spiritually, mentally, even physically, circling the same things that you thought you would have been past by now? Have you ever found yourself in a habitual mindset of every time you see that person, you just see red? Have you ever found yourself in the place of wondering, God, why can't I just get over this hump? Why can't I just kick this habit? Why can't I just feel better? Why can't I just move past this thing? What if the new season that you've been waiting for the Lord to open up in your life is directly connected to your ability to step outside of the cycle and into finding the footprints in the sand like that old poem says? What, what, if, it, it's, what if it's directly connected to you beginning to develop intimacy with his spirit what if it's directly connected with you searching and seeking for his voice coming alive in his word what if it's directly connected with you allowing his spirit to be the only thing that you become dependent upon and the next thing you know is the mountains you've been circling and circling and circling you no longer circle you pass right over the top of and on to the next one and you see the next mountain and you see the next summit and you look from that summit to the next one and and in that next valley, you say, it's okay. I know it's dark. I know it's crazy. I know it's scary. I know it's, it's not comfortable for me, but I'm going to just do what I did in the last season, and that's follow his spirit. That's follow his word. Temptation no longer becomes an idol in our life because we have no idols. We have no gods above our God. We have no other name above his name. And I'm not going to allow social media or a politician or a 
another pastor or another leader or another family member or another friend or a boss or a manager or any circumstance or situation or any bank account or lack thereof to determine how close I follow the Spirit of God because I do not want to stay in the valley. I do not want to stay in the desert. I do not want to be found lacking. I want to be found in his presence. I want to be found faithful. I want to be found obedient and submitted. I'm a part of a a generation that has found themselves searching the church for help. The millennial generation, so many of my friends grew up in the church. It's really kind of one of the last generations to do so because church attendance averages have dropped from four times a month to three times a month to two times a month. And now on the other side of COVID, we are experiencing averages across the American church of 1.6 times a month an individual will be in church. Now hear me, church does not save you. Church is not what we are dependent upon for a relationship with Jesus. But remember, we went back to talking about community. So we all are in this together. We've all experienced this together. And in this process of experiencing this together, I feel like my generation has begun in large numbers to walk away from their relationship with Lord and most definitely their relationship with the church. And I'm bringing this up because in my experience, the cause of this is that we as individuals and we as organizations and and we as denominations and the American church is still doing this. And this next generation that's coming up under us, Generation Z, they're not going to put up with cycles. They're tired of them. They're over it. And I think you are too. I think I am as well. But all of that doesn't really matter because what I know for a fact is that the Lord is over it. He is calling a people to break the cycle of idolatry, to lay down the golden calves, to lay down the idols, to lay down anything to them that is not the spirit of Jesus, anything to them that is not heaven coming to earth, to lay it down, to lay it waste, to let it go, to release it, and to say, Jesus, I will be led by you. I believe those places of 
painful repetition that you found in your life, the cycles that you have found yourself in, the places that we continue to... I think I've been here before. Oh, it's because I have. I believe the Lord wants to break that today. Just with a simple confession of our mouth. Of Lord, I repent. Holy Spirit, I repent. Holy Spirit, I long for your presence. Spirit of Jesus, well up on the inside of me and burn away anything that's not of you. Take away anything that's of my flesh, of my own desires, of my own pride and my own ego and my own planning and my own dreaming and my own scheming. I release it all to you. I follow you. Can we just stand together all across the room? I know. I know today has been a roller coaster ride. But what I would like to do is just give us that opportunity. Say, I'm going to take the escape the Lord has given me today. Hey, there is nothing wrong with saying, I can't do it. We've got to get past the disillusionment of, of it's on my shoulders to make this happen. We have to leave behind the idea and the thought and the theory that we're enough. We have to become solely dependent on his presence. Can we just close our eyes and if you're comfortable, just lift your hands across this room. Just as a sign of surrender. If you're watching online, right where you're at, just take this moment. You might feel funny in your bedroom raising your hands. But we're just saying, Jesus, Jesus, I release it to you. My sin, my guilt, my shame, my worry, my anxiety, my plans, my dreams. Spirit, I repent of leading my own life. I repent of standing on my own two feet. I respond to your spirit today. And I say yes. I say yes. Whatever it is that you're saying, I say yes. Whatever you're asking, I say yes. Whatever you're doing, I say yes. Whatever you want to take out of me, take it, Jesus. Whatever you want to deposit in me, leave it there, Lord. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. We receive it, Father. We, we lift our hands and we lift our voices in this moment and we say yes. We receive you, Jesus. You are the new standard for my life. You are the new standard for my church. You are the new standard for my city and my nation and my family. You, Jesus. You, Jesus. And God, whatever place we have found ourselves trying to stand in and of ourselves, just put a finger on it right now. Identify it in our mind right now. 
wherever we have allowed ourselves to build our own selves up into thinking we've got this, identify it, give us the notification, send the conviction, and Father, let us be those who release it. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that you are faithful. And that your love covers a multitude of sin. That the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, has purified us, and brought us into communion with your spirit. Communion with you, Jesus. Communion with you, Father. And we're just going to take these next few moments and we're going to love on you. We're going to be with you. Come on, Jesus. Jesus.